Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to our Business Matters live stream. My name is Rob Capello, VP Business Development at Now Media Group, and I'll be moderating today's session. Um, We're live streaming on Zoom and on Facebook, so feel free to ask questions. I got a lot of stuff to cover today, but please do ask questions. Um, You know, when we started Business Matters, our way sort of just giving back to the community and making sure that uh, we do our part on helping businesses get through this and as we all navigate COVID-19, we remain dedicated to helping supporting our advertising partners and we have a great partner on our call today. So um, we're excited to welcome Paul from Simplify. Um, we're gonna discuss advertising strategies and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I got three pages of stuff I wanna get through and then obviously any questions from the audience. So please do ask questions. I, I will do my best to get to them and um, as much as possible, as many as possible, sorry. Um, we've been, We've had the pleasure of working with Paul and the team from Simplify for almost two years now, I think. We've been a couple of years um, specifically around our geofencing product, but we've been, we're looking at sort of expanding and looking at other product offerings that uh, Simplify's um, uh, been offering or is offering as well. Um, what we're seeing now, and we'll jump into it, but as, you know, as, as kind of downturns happen, you know, there's businesses that kind of pause their advertising, but we also see the opposite. Market leaders are actually using this as an opportunity now. And, and there's more eyeballs on media now than there's ever been because people are at home, obviously. So we're seeing a lot of that. And, and the one thing that's great about Simplify is that it allows us to reach that audience locally um, in whatever environment they're comfortable in. Which is, which is, we all know people uh, consume media in different ways. So we're gonna talk about three main topics, but we're gonna go all over the place a little bit at the end as well. But we're gonna talk about driving online sales, um, increasing drive-through and to-go traffic. Obviously a lot of businesses have moved to to-go or, or you know, curbside pickups. Uh, and the other thing we're seeing is monthly subscriptions. So we have a lot of lot to cover. Uh, so let's get started. So uh, Paul, welcome to the call. Um, Thank you. I'll do my best to do an intro and then we'll kind of talk about that. So Paul, uh, as a 20 plus year digital marketing veteran, worked with all different types of companies from, you know, Fortune 500 companies to agencies like ours. Um, I believe you've been at Simplify about two and a half years now. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. And Simplify is, is, is really a demand size platform, sorry, a demand side platform that specializes in localized programmatic. And we'll talk about the word programmatic. They have over 65,000 live campaigns on a monthly basis and works with all different types of brands, which is excellent. Um, one of their flagship products is geofencing. Obviously, it's one that we've, we've, we felt was industry leader. So that's what we've been working with them. So, so let's chat. Let's get into it because there's a lot we want to cover. So um, right. I see a, a, you have a nice picture in the background. Where are you joining us from today, Paul? We're, we're... I'm located in Beaverton, Oregon. And the picture behind me is a nice picture of Mount Hood. So... Awesome. Yes. Um, so thank you, Paul. For people that are not familiar with Simplify, um, and my, um, I didn't do it justice when I introduced you at the start, is can you tell us the who, what, and where of Simplify, who you guys are, how you work, what sort of services you offer clients and agencies like ours? Sure. Sim- thank you for much for the introduction, Rob. I really appreciate it. So Simplify is a demand-side platform, like Rob mentioned. But to simplify what we do, it is that we help clients find customers digitally, the right devices in the right places at the right time through display media and video media. We purchase all of our media for clients off the exchanges and we are exchange agnostic. So we actually access over 24 different exchanges that provide access to media from publishers and video producers. And we run that media for our clients. And our, the key thing that we are able to do is the localization of campaigns whether it be for a large brand that wants local flavor, or maybe it's that individual business that wants to cons- support a local initiative that they're running. So we can do all of that. Yeah. And, and that's one area that I didn't mention before that really, you know, intrigued us is the ability to really localize and, and talk to the consumer 
in whatever in wherever they're comfortable, wherever they're at. So one one of the things we hear a lot is the word programmatic get thrown around. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, can you explain to the people that are tuning what programmatic is, what that term means? Because again, it's used a lot and, and maybe a little bit overused and in, in the in the wrong way now. So can you maybe talk a little bit about that? We like a lot of terms in our industry. Um, yeah, exactly. So just a little bit of background about myself beyond my programmatic basis is that I actually came from the agency side. So I was trained in traditional media planning way back when. So the, the notion of programmatic in its essence is that we just use a lot of data when we're making our decisions on what media to buy on behalf of our clients. And that data can come in many forms. It can come in the form of behavioral data, such as what people are reading and what they're searching online that we then look for people that have that characteristic as far as within their browsing or their cookie history. We also can actually target based on location data, latitude and longitude. We're one of the most precise companies when it comes to that, and that's why our geofencing is so strong. So when we're talking about programmatic, that's really just the, mean, the way of saying that when we're, when we're going out there and looking for that right person, we're, we're actually looking at the composition of that user, of where they've been, what they've read, Right. And also where they may be. And then what we're doing is we're targeting those ads precisely to them at the right price. Right. Because we are actually bidding on media and that programmatic actually adds to that as well. And you're, and you're using multiple, you mentioned video, audio, display. Mm -hmm. Like when, when, when we talk about programmatic, I think some people think just display, but it's not just display. No, it actually is many things. Uh, many things actually leverage programmatic. I mean, some companies actually talk about programmatic in, in the way that they target. Some people, you know, don't. But in reality, is that programmatic just means that you're using a lot of data in your decisionings, and data and the computing power is actually helping to run your campaigns, right? Instead of manual optimizations, manual targeting, things like that. The key thing about programmatic is it's not necessarily about where the ads actually end up. It's about who the ads end up in front of. So it's really key to know that because it's not the context to the actual site uh, necessarily. It's the context of the individual, right? And so the programmatic part is using all that data about the individual to target. And we do target based on display or we offer display, both mobile and desktop, both in-app and in-browser. We offer pre-roll video, which is this like your sports content that you go and you, you're watching sports at home now. And as you break into a commercial that's on that website, that pre-roll, mid-roll, that's what we play, provide as well. We also are one of the leading companies providing an OTT CTV solution. Which is actually something that's so maybe really explain explain the OTT. Yeah, we love our terms. So can you explain? OTT? We love our terms. Yeah. The, <laughs> so to to make that uh, to clarify that, what I mean is that if you have an Apple TV device, or if you have a smart TV like a Samsung or a Sony, many of those devices actually have the ability to download applications, very similar to what you might download on your mobile phone. But these applications are are geared towards de delivering video content that somewhat replicates a traditional TV environment so that that application that you may download on Apple TV may be a, a, a sports app or maybe a news app, but it's actually going to be all video, just like you might see in regular television. And that is actually kind of the new direction of large screen, if you will, uh, delivery of, of television or, or broadcast. Sorry, I, I'm going back to traditional terms of uh, video, right? Um, people are, they have their cable companies and they have their other providers, but what they're doing is a lot of them are cord cutting to, to save funds. And what they're doing is they're going out and they're getting internet connectivity. They're buying an Apple TV device or they're getting Roku or one from Google or Amazon or whatever. And then they connect to tele television and they actually then can just download these apps. Some are ad supported. Some are subscription-based. You know, popular ones that are subscription-based would be things like Netflix, right? No advertising, subscription. HBO, another one, subscription-based. Ones that are actually ad-supported might be things like Pluto TV, Fubo TV. These are, these are basically apps that provide content that replicate somebody's normal viewing habits on a, on a large screen. So what you're saying on that is, is that if I'm, uh, uh, if I have one of these apps that's, that's advertising supported, 
Um, and we, we can deliver an ad specifically to that. I know in Canada, we're not 100% just there yet on this, but we can deliver an ad to that household and the devices in that household using video and these, the, like you mentioned, these apps that you can download onto these. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Rob, you know, you, um, it really does depend on region and, and adaption or adoption, I should say, by, by the consumers for this. Um, with everybody in a stay in place uh, situation going on right now, um, this this it, part of the industry, the the connected television, if you will, um, aspect of the industry was already on the upswing. It was growing and it was kind of eating away from tra traditional broadcast television. Yeah. Um, but the, the stay in place situation, as well as the hit on people's income, has actually caused this to speed up a little bit more and more adoption has created more opportunity for that. And even in Canada, I just looked at a, a campaign today. I actually didn't look at the region where it was running, so I apologize for that. But it is an auto-related campaign, and they're on OTT, and they're targeting within the specific city, and they're spending, they have a budget of $20,000. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not something you, you do actually have decent scale yeah. on OTT basis within within Canada. Um, yeah. yeah. Are you guys, do you guys um, uh, dabble in the audio side as well? Like, because I know we've been seeing a lot of, Again, as people are at home now, uh, a lot of people, a lot of streaming audio. I just saw a stat, I believe that it was a, a, a podcast that Burrell did and they're talking about like, you know, TV, they expect, um, uh, I believe radio and traditional TV to be down this year, obviously, and, and you know, in digital, not a, a biggest growth as they assume, but still a growth, but audio is a big component of that. So mm -hmm. are, are you guys, do you guys, do you guys go into the audio when it comes to the products that you have? Well, we don't currently, okay. um, I, you know, as far as our roadmap, I don't know the prioritization of where yeah. audio is on our roadmap uh, from our engineers. Our engineers are doing six week sprints to either develop new product or enhance existing product. Right. Um, part of our product is our the usability of our platform. It's the delivery of our capabilities. It's what channels we actually can distribute to the, the distribute yeah. the ads to. But um, that is something that's that's of interest, I, I think, uh, to, to a lot of people. Um, you know, you kind of have to pick your battles on that one. Um, you mentioned things such as radio down, you know, there are just shifts in media consumption right now because of what we're dealing with. You have very few people commuting to work, which means that they're not turning on their the radio in the car, which is unfortunate for all those people that are selling radio. I used to be one of those people that sold radio, you know, so I understand that, that, that value there. Um, you know, it's, it's impacting outdoor people aren't on the roads. They're not seeing as many outdoor um, things. But, you know, so you have the, the shift, things that we've actually seen as far as growth and OTT is a big one, but also just the actual increase online activity, mm -hmm. which does increase the, um, the marketplace for all digital ads. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, let's dive into a couple specific uh areas because sure. again we're, we'll run out of time we're already 15 minutes in so it goes really quick so yes. um obviously a lot of consumers right now a lot of businesses sorry right now are moving to an e-commerce solution you know i it, it's funny because i was talking with uh, a local media um, consultant here in, in the market we're in and saying you know people are just realizing now oh maybe we should have an e-commerce site right so it's heightened now obviously because people are are, are at, on home at home and they're online shopping so what are strategies that you guys use through your platforms and you're working with clients on to drive these online sales? But even importantly for me is, is tracking, right? So how do we track this stuff? So can you speak around how you guys are working with clients on the e-commerce solutions? And because you can build the product, now you got to drive people to it, right? So. Yes, right, right. Well, I like this when I deal with clients and I deal with clients on all different types. Um, I like to start from the end result back, mm -hmm. right? The end result is the sale. And then what you have to do is you have to track that because you want to be able to associate ROI with your campaigns. So what inv is involved there is basically you're going to have to put some sort of uh, apply some sort of pixel strategy to the actual site so that you can actually track the conversion. And we do that on an ongoing basis. And most partners that are out there, most companies that, that play in the e-commerce space will do that. But the key thing about Simplify is that it's a one pixel solution. We place a pixel on the site and we program it on our end to actually maintain that, attract that function. What that's going to do is basically going to tell our models that programmatic side that says, hey, we hit this goal. Let's, con let's go for more of this. Now, from a campaign perspective and connecting to that, 
Pixel is the best thing is going to be focused on anything that's focused delivered on in a browser situation. And generally that is involved in two things. One is behavioral targeting. And that's in our in our way that we target behavior, we have three three ways. One is that we can target based on what people are reading, what they're searching, right? The, which is great. It's great intent data. Um, you want somebody that's going to be interested in shoes, running shoes, you know, you can target it. Somebody that's looking about, you know, training and stuff like that's really popular right now. Yeah. You want to target, you want to also include like site retargeting because if somebody comes to your site, they do not convert. You want to be able to hit them again. It's another tactic that we apply to the, to the campaigns. So behavioral and site retargeting are generally two, two aspects that, that we leverage for that. And are you seeing, I, I know right now, um, because people are stay at home, obviously a lot of people are. Is how is geofencing performing in, in this side of it? Because I think one of the things that I liked about the geofencing is I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in ROI and tracking, and and you hit the nail on the head. I'm strategic for tactics always. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Are you seeing people being able to use geofencing still? Because not as many people are out and about. And uh, in the second part of that is what I liked about that is that you could track that. I could track to see if that user came into my physical location, but harder to do it with the online version now. So how is geofencing right. fitting right. into driving this traffic? Well, you, you, you nailed one thing at the very end there, which is that geofencing is not geared to drive online traffic. It's, it's more of a physical traffic yeah. promotion, physical traffic monitor yeah. campaign kind of objective kind of situation there. Yeah. However, um, you're right. Geofencing has changed as many things have changed with this this pandemic and we've just had to rethink applications. People, companies have become very nimble and become very creative. So our normal tactic for geofencing had been in the past to target competitive locations, competitive conquests. You're an auto dealer, let's go after your other auto dealers. Or if you are somebody that's a, let's say a, um, a Subaru or a lifestyle brand, then you target places where lifestyle is like boats on boat ramps, you know, that kind of thing. What we found now is that, um, and this is really key with the, the QSRs that are got really creative is that um, geofencing is now applied to uh, like a radius around the business. So you're still leveraging the geofencing, but it's no longer competitive conquesting or it's no longer lifestyle because people aren't out and about, but they are in the neighborhoods. And so you can still geofence the neighborhoods. And the great thing about geofencing in general, but with us specifically, is that you, if you can find it on Google map, you can create a geofence. Mm. And so if it if you are a QSR or you're an auto dealer and you want to create a radius and you think that people are going to come for service or come for food within like two miles, create a geofence with two mile radius around your business. Right. Leverages the same technology. You can track to people coming to your business based on that targeting. And it still does the same thing. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it, it, that's a good point, actually, because uh, the parks are busy. Mm. I look out the window, yeah. I can see people at the park. So, they, you know, they're, they're yeah. just physical distancing, but they're actually they're still trying to get out, right? That's right. Yeah, and they're still uh, on their phones, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's great. Um, one of the changes has been, obviously, through this is restaurants have had to move through drive-throughs. You, you go through here, Starbucks, Tim Hortons, all the, there's lineups, 20, mm. 30 cars deep all day. Um, but they're also doing curbside pickup models where you can order online and we'll pick them up. I know Home Depot and so forth have that. So what, how are you guys playing in that space and helping drive um, uh, awareness or business to clients that are having to move into that? Uh, right, right. Well, I mean, it just shows you that people, that these companies are very nimble and they figure out how to survive. You know, I know it's challenging for everybody out there, but, you know, uh, we had some companies here in Oregon that right when this kicked in, they went to nothing but drive through. So. Um, and then our wineries here in Oregon are actually you, you order and you can pick up at the doorstop. So the door, their doorstep, so which is great. Um, the difference in those two things, it's really just an interpretation of, of, of how you actually implement the campaigns. If it's a drive through, that's more of a visiting a specific location, right? Because you're going to go there and you're going to order at that point in time. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a pickup in place or on place on um, the step, then, you know, that's, that's more of a, an online action, an e-commerce action to where they're most likely going to submit an order in some fashion online, or they're going to go online and they're going to call somebody. But either way, that's actually going online and actually doing the action that way and putting your order in so that they can have it ready for you. So it's the same type of thing as far as online, driving online action versus driving physical traffic. It's just a different iteration of the outcome. Right, right. No, fair, yeah. And, and, and... 
are you seeing, are you seeing because they're different or using different products or using like a different play on one side than you were, or you would on the other side? No, it's still a combination, still a complement of both. I mean, for those companies that actually do both, right? Um, like I have a, a Mexican restaurant that's here close by my house. You can go there and pick it up and you could actually, you can also go and you can do a drive through. You can, so it's, it's the same type of thing. You can do it. it. You just have to figure out what is the outcome that you want to do. Now, you know, people are being more, more sensitive to, to ROI through this, this whole situation, but you just have to choo choose your battle and focus on that. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. And the last one I want to talk about, uh, we mentioned at the start is there's been a big, big movement now in uh, subscriptions, um, you know, so meal plans that come at your door, you know, there's, I, there's always been sort of those lifestyle boxes that you can quarterly right. get as well. But I see a lot more growth of that right now. And even wineries, you mentioned wineries, we live in wine country here as well. So, you know, being able to have a, your, your wine clubs where you get monthly wine slippers and so forth. So are you seeing a lot of that with your clients and, and, and being able to support that with your guys' products as well? I haven't seen too much of that. In, in my book of business, I know that there are quite a few. And I do think that those companies that are that have been doing that are, are well positioned in this in this economy. There is actually a, a company out of Seattle. They do a, a board, a very popular board game. That's kind of like a, a crime show situation. And they you can purchase up to six episodes. So it's an episodic game. Okay. And it's a subscription base. So everybody that's doing this, they finish the first episode and, and they look forward to the, the next one that's coming in. And so the great thing about the subscription base is that, you know, these they have the means to, to, to mark to them in other means and you're building database. But, you know, one great thing about targeting that type of environment is that if you have a database, companies like Simplify have the ways to leverage the information that's in your database to target people specifically for your campaigns mm. and so for those people that came in filled out a newsletter but never purchased from you well you have to wonder why they didn't do that and but you can now put them in a targeting camp uh, targeted campaign specifically to those people so i mean that that shows the that what clients need to do as well is make sure they're building that database a, a lot of clients neglect to put the effort into making sure they have a newsletter and, that, and that's why we do it like mm. i mean we all get inundated by newsletters but the ability to have that database to me is gold for a client because that's your, that, that, you know, I always say it's easier to convert a client that knows you than to get a new one. Right. So mm -hmm. you can integrate once you have that database integrate, what you're saying is the power of the, the products like the simplify has to, to market. So how do you do that? So would you do, do you directly market to Rob because I'm on the list or do you find more Rob's out there uh, that live in the community? Cause you know, birds of a feather flock together. And if, if I, I live in usually a, a neighborhood that's people that are similar to me is that sort of what you're talking about yeah so there's there's diff different ways of doing it but if, if it is a element of data or a database that a client owns that has an email address phone number or things like that companies like ours like simplify we don't we're not in the position of touching that data right that's kind of against the rules for us we call that pii and that's not a good thing for us to touch so mm -hmm. we actually work with third part intermediaries to actually match that data to targetable cookies that we could then ingest and and go after those people right so that's one way um you know the other way is you know correlation like you're talking about if you know that there's a certain area that has let's say you're a bmw dealership and you know that there's areas that have high net net income well you can geofence those areas as well or create a, just a general targeting zone around those areas right so you can you can do it that way but that's but leveraging the first-party data, first-party data is is really great because it's it's hitting people that that know of you in some fashion because you have their information. No, I think that's great. That's valuable information for everybody for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier about you know you can't be everything to everybody. That's that's it's a struggle sometimes, and, and there's all these different avenues you can advertise on. I want to dig into a few of them, but you know, do you find sometimes that uh, clients are spread too thin. They're trying to put, you know, they have whatever their budget, because, you know, some have smaller budgets, obviously, you know, how do you counsel a client to say, you know, maybe instead of spreading across three or four different mediums, just own one and do a really good job on one? Well, this is a great thing about Simplify is that the, the structure of how we approach is, um, 
is that we don't we we more like we're more like consultative sellers, if you right, will. Right. Um, and that we tend to start with the outcome first. What is it that you want to achieve? And then let us help you develop a program that would achieve that. Instead of determining what the advertising should be or deter determining the advertising outlet should be, whether it be print, newspaper, or radio, or whatever it may be, you know, you always have to think of the outcome. You know, even with the media mix, you first think of the outcome because that's going to determine your media mix. There are creative executions out there that people want to see. You know, they want to be uh, on on the big screen. They want to be on the side of the freeway. They want to they, they want that kind of exposure. But you have to think about and what is the outcome, especially now that we're so sensitive to to the spend and the investment that it takes. You know, and and that's just really key is that it really comes down to the philosophy of the, of the actual advertiser. Do they see what they're doing as an investment? Do they see it as an expense? You know, either way that they see it on their books, you have to be sensitive to the outcome. So that's where we start first is the outcome. Then we guide to the execution there. Yeah, no, that, and that's a valuable insight. And, and you know, I, I believe in that too, is again, I mentioned for strategy, for tactics and, and trying not to be jack of all trades, master of none as well as trying to really, you know, once we understand the goals, then we can go, then it's easier to find the mediums. Right. I mean, there, there are times and places where, you know, you have to take many things into account. Let's say that um, uh, you're doing some co-op and maybe there are co-op rules yeah. that direct you to, to be in a certain channel, you know? Right. Um, but we, we take those things into account when we're making our recommendations. But the, again, it is, what is the ultimate outcome? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we talked a couple weeks ago, I think you and I, and, and I loved your take. One of the things I'd ask you on the call was, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, big, big, big players, obviously, you know, take a lot of Amazon less in our market, but um, take a lot of dollars out of the market and mm. they're a dominant force. And, 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 and we find like a lot of clients will just plow a lot of all their budgets into Google, Facebook, specifically in the Canadian market. Like I said, Amazon is yeah. starting to be a big player for sure. Yeah. But for me, that A doesn't support local in my mind. Yeah. Um, it, it also, I argue that sometimes isn't the best result. I think people just are followers and say, well, everyone else is doing Facebook and Google, so mm -hmm. I should as well. But I love the way you explain Google in your major analogy to the phone book. And I, I just, it really <laughs> stuck with me on how the different, the evolution. And could you maybe dive on that a little bit? Because I think it's valuable inside for people that are listening to this. I, I thought it was a really good way to explain it on your, your take on Google when it came to that. Sure. So uh, we, we had a pretty lengthy discussion. So we, we got to this point through our discussion, but to, to summarize it, we were talking about, you know, the, the implications of, of people partnering only with Google. Uh, and the and, and the evolution of the relationship that some people have with Google is is one where it's it's a great one. They start with building their site, so they want some analytics. They get Google Analytics. They see that they don't have much traffic. Then they they add the enhance with some SMS uh, search engine optimization. Then they want some more, and so they go to search engine marketing. Um, and both of those are great, but those are like core to business elements, which is that you know just same thing as if you were to create your business like in the in the eighties. Right. As soon as you create your business, at least here in the United States, you go your your numbers published in the white pages. So that's kind of like SEO right there. You know, mm -hmm. you're you know, you're not paying for it. It's just something that's organic. And then if you want to be something a little more situational, let's say you're a plumber and you want it to be if somebody's going for that resource and they're going to go look up plumbers, what plumbers can I go look up? They're going to they would go back then they would go to the yellow pages and look at plumbers. Well, what do you do now? You go to Google or a search engine and you look up plumbers. I just did this the other day because I needed a water heater. I went and looked up plumbers. It serves a great purpose for that matter. Well, that's search engine marketing. Both of them are very situational. Right. I wouldn't say they're very they're not like seeding type of advertising. Right. Where the, the advertising in its essence is to persuade, you know, it is to motivate. It's to differentiate all those things that advertising actually does. And that's a lot of it is related to display. A lot of that related to video that actually does that. We actually do connect to some of the similar KPIs as SEM, right? But ultimately, what we're doing is we're kind of seeding it in the mind. This is a dynamic of why people don't click on banners, right? That's just the nature of it. But those banners impact people. 
And then we see what happens is that when they when they see those banners, the SCM results actually start increasing, the SEO results start increasing, just the organic traffic to the site. And so there's a there's a carryover value, what we call view through value to the advertising. And yeah, so that's yeah. really the big yeah. difference is between all of them. And then, you know, you mentioned Amazon. I mean, Amazon to me is if you're a storefront and you it's kind of similar as like you just go in and buy in a place in a mall, you know. Um, if you're if you're selling that type of product, it's perfect. Uh, Facebook is social. I mean, uh, we don't do social, so I mean, there's a place good place for that. Um, again, it's what's your overall outcome that you want to search for? You know. Yeah, I, th I think that was such a I, I love the way you framed it between the white pages and yellow pages, and the fact that advertising uh, people that are going on to Google have already made a decision of what they want. You want to talk to them before they make that decision. And we do a lot of work with um, professional services. So a, a, a legal where I always say, <clears throat> I might not need a lawyer for the next 10 years, or I might need, I might need a lawyer in the next hour. Right. So you want to make sure you're, you're top of mind when that happens. And I think we discount display ads because we're not seeing the click through rates that mm. display used to, but the brand awareness that it brings to your, to your company and, and positioning you in that expert or an industry leader is so important for when that decision is being made by the consumer. That's right. It goes also goes into the ties into the behavioral targeting manner, which is let's say you're a floor company providing tile or hardwood floors, and you want to hit those people that are going to be your customers. Well, do you want to hit the people that are already actually in market looking and visiting your competitors? Or would you like to hit the people that are in the early stages and affect their decision, get really in there, which is basically on a keyword basis, we can target those people that maybe are going from a home equity loan, that are looking at faucets, that are looking at windows, that are looking at con contractors to, to rebuild bathrooms or to do any other type of work. That's mm -hmm. the type of stuff that we can actually target on based on the behavioral keyword approach. And so we can hit people in some cases we can actually target people before they even know that they're in the market for getting a sink, mm -hmm. but they're going to get there. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, um, it's such, it's not an exact science with advertising, but you know, we, we have a, a client, uh, we have clients sort of that we do an intercept survey every year and ask where people have seen our advertising. And um, I believe top two was uh, bus ads, but we've never ran bus ads for this client. So, so you don't know where it comes from. I mean, people make usually decisions where they've seen the brand multiple times before they actually make that decision, you know, in, in how, what they're going to do and how they're going to buy. And, and that's right. That's, that's, that's hundred percent correct. Yeah. yeah. So being, talking about these platforms like Google and Facebook, obviously they're, they're a lot of people put dollars into them now. Um, but there's a decline. I mean, people aren't spending as much money on advertising used to. Are you guys seeing a decrease in the in what it costs to buy advertising? So are 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 is are you seeing a lessening of that, or, or or has it been consistent no matter if it's a downturn or not? So the great thing about Simplify is we are what we call exchange agnostic. So Google uh, and their display network being one type of exchange that we might access. Right. They're one of over twenty four. And so we're actually going out and looking at many different opportunities. And the way that we actually, because we are a tech, one of the few technology companies in this space still, we actually get in and we are already bidding pretty aggressive because we're looking at that data. We're, we're being very creative. And when we target people, it's not just around key like prime time hours during the day. It can be at other points and we value each one incrementally. Well, what that does, it means that we're, our, our aggressiveness actually does pay off in the marketing, but it also means that we're already aggressive. So we're not seeing rate decline. I've read some things on the mar you know, uh, on a lot of the uh, industry trades that some people are, but we're not seeing that. And I think that the rate decline could be impacting people that are like selling directly, right? Wow. Or if those people are maybe resellers of technology to where they have they're 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 a margin on top of the technology cost, and they have to be more competitive because maybe their margins are high. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of different variables that right. go into it. Right. But as far as the CPMs from the exchanges, when we when we quote our CPMs, we're looking at it, the, the last exchange rate. So, so think about buying a stock on a, a stock exchange, right? You, when you go buy that, you want to look at the last price that it was purchased. That's what we're looking at. And so we, we try to keep our CPMs pretty aggressive already. So there's two things on there that uh, come up for questions for me is, 
One is you say there's 24 different exchanges you guys work with. Um, what you know, a client might make a comment of saying, well, Google's the biggest one. Why would I want anything else other than Google? Can you speak on that? And the other side, the other side is, well, why can't I just call Google myself? Why don't I just deal with Google myself? Like what advantage do there's a partnership with you're saying you're negotiating CPMs and looking options? What advantage would I, would working with a company like you over my do it myself model that it would be? Yeah. So maybe we can tackle about yeah. the Google first and kind of talk about the do it yourself models. So, so Google has a, a great interface, great do-it-yourself models. I mean, I've gone put myself through the training, so I've seen it. I mean, it's 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 good stuff. So, it they started out in the SMB market, you know, uh, and with Google search, and I mean, sorry, with uh, with the SEM stuff, and and I'm talking about from a small to medium business yeah. perspective, not for like these the larger clients, because if if you're a larger client like a Pepsi or somebody like that, you're going to be assigned a Google rep, and you're going to have that. But for the majority of the people out there, you're going to have to work through their interface, and you're not going to get the same customer service as those larger companies, right? Well, so when you're going through the the, the thing that I find with Google is that most most small to medium business that are out there, they did go up to the SEO, SEM ranks to get to Google. And they they see the Google Display Network. They're like, hey, okay, I'll, I'll buy an ad buy through Google Display Network. Well, what they're doing when they're doing that isn't necessarily um, leveraging a lot of the dynamic nature of programmatic, right? Dynamic pricing, um, learning from data. You know, some of this aspect is manual. There are some tools within Google that can do that. Um, but they're, they're not, a lot of times they're not into, leveraging the individual nature of all the data elements that can be targeted right but on the exchange perspective when you're looking at just google as that exchange think about all the small to medium businesses that went up through those ranks like i just said and they're putting all the demand on google well the publishers that are out there that are making money apply to multiple exchanges and so if you can find a similar opportunity for that for that user that you want to target through another exchange and not have to tap the Google Exchange and and deal with that demand, right? Right. It's, it, there's a lot of opportunities that are in it, so it's really great to be exchange agnostic because it does open up different opportunities, different avenues to purchase the media using different types of data. Well, it's interesting because I, I I'm a big believer too is that everyone consumes media differently as well, right? So it, you said it at the start, and I think I, I and I shouldn't have skipped over it because it's very important that sometimes clients worry about well which app will this ad be on or what site would this be on? to me it doesn't matter it's the user that's the big concern if 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 you're talking to me because i'm playing angry birds and that's where the ad is but that's what i'm playing on well that, you just want to talk to me it doesn't matter the the, the the website or the the app that it's on i mean that that's really what it comes down to is that you could reach the individual like i've heard and i think it was one of your guys' podcasts saying that you know you can talk to an individual like one person if you had to which is so powerful as compared to again why we're seeing probably you know a lesson in traditional media is because you can't be as targeted right so right right i mean that, that's really key um i'm a big i'm a big runner and yeah. so i'm looking at different types of shoes and but i also like to cook so i might be looking at a at a recipe site like cooking light or something like that to get a recipe and, and on that website if their inventory is accepted exchange i may see an advertisement for brooks running shoes or something some other brand that i use right so right. it's really key to actually be able to understand that it, it's not necessarily the endemic nature of the ad it's not buying site direct right it's actually buying based on the data that represents that user on the other side of that screen and and i will say though that we do have the means to do endemic category type of buys so if somebody wants to be on you know athletic nature sites we can do that but it's not a standalone tactic it's usually one that kind of complements others and usually we allow for optimization between the two based on the desired results that we're hunting for right, right. so that's yeah. kind of we try to keep campaigns fluid in that manner so that's that's really important yeah that's great thank you um we're about 20 minutes left so i told you it was going to go really fast and yes. again, if anyone has any questions please do ask i have a lot that i want to get through but i'm happy to jump in and, and answer uh, questions as well so um one of the things a couple of things i want to talk about is we haven't really talked about coronavirus um to be honest and but i do want to talk about it, are you seeing 
um, what's happening right now, the pandemic is, is it impacting marketing performance? Are we seeing lower click through rates or I know there's more eyeballs. I get that, but are, are, is it affecting in the last 60 days or 30 days from, because you guys do consume a lot of data and see a lot of campaigns, is it affecting click through rates and in, in performance on ads? Um, no, I haven't seen on any of the campaigns that I run. Uh, I haven't seen, and I have hundreds that are running. I haven't seen any decline on, on click through rate. Um, what we have seen is an increased time on screen. Um, that's really cool. Uh, you know, it doesn't really affect the nature of pre-roll video uh, or um, the large screen connected television video. The thing about pre-roll video is that, um, you know, you're, you have the ability to watch a video on a website and, and then you're going to click. You know, a lot of people want the, the viewing, the, the, the completed video rate to be really high. Mm -hmm. But if it's actually good creative, what, why would you want to stop somebody from clicking on that ad to go someplace? Mm -hmm. So in that instance, it's, it's pretty stable around like a 60% completion rate with a, with a good click rate. Now, connected television, the, the thing about connected television is it's, it's non-skippable, but it's not a clickable environment. Right. right. It's it's just not. So you 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 have you have to kind of understand that it's it's in the nature of it is still kind of more along the lines of viewing and then and then you have to attribute results to that in some other fashion. For sure. I mean and I think there's when you look at your media mix, there's all different avenues you need to look at it. And, you know, we, we buy traditional media for clients if there's a fit. And we we also understand the value brand awareness over, right. you know, a top of funnel and bottom funnel bottom of funnel advertising and they, and they need to work together like you said it's it's what the goal of the client is first of all if you're having you know a sale this weekend and you need to drive traffic but well, you could now but if you were open and you're driving traffic to a weekend it's a different strategy than hey i'm an accountant legal hvac that, like your strategies are going to be different in this, right so right 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 i heard from somebody the other day though that um that they actually represent a rather large u.s news property and and I thought they would be killing it right now because a lot of people are actually looking at that new, looking at that news property. And it turns out that they're they're having a hard time because a lot of brands don't want to be associated with with news related to COVID or the pandemic. It's pretty interesting. Um, you know, you have clients like the you know certain militaries don't want to be associated with news because they don't want any if there's any kind of wars going on they don't want to be associated with that. So you have to take that stuff into consideration. Um, you know, an aspect of, of performance, going back to that, yeah. that question. Um, one thing that we have seen is, is, you know, people pivoting from straight up geofencing, like I mentioned, For you sure. know, that's, that's been something that people have tried to have changed as far as their usage of, uh, or the implementation of. Yeah. Right? Um, so that, that is one that people need to think about, but that's, uh, I, I'm hoping that that's going to be a short lived Sure, a short-term situation, right? So, where are they spending? Where do you see clients spending the dollars in your? I know you can't speak to you know other mediums and stuff, but in your guys's the campaigns you're running, where where are the most of the dollars being spent right now for clients? Uh, I would say majority of the dollars that they're spending are going to be behaviorally targeted display, okay, and video whether it be pre-roll or whether it be OTT connected television. I will say the OTT connected television is really kind of getting a lot of play right now because of the newness of it. Right. Um, but it's also, it does get people onto the large screen where before maybe cough or maybe there, there weren't enough avails or being purchased, not well, yeah, being perceived well by, OTTC is not a ratings based thing. It's an impressions based delivery, right? So we're delivering uh, based on specific ad number, uh, number of ads that we're, we're sending. So there's no overnight ratings or anything like that you have to deal with. Yeah. You know? So um, there's no auditing. So in that reporting with it too. So it's just, it's connected to digital. So yeah. And you saying that in, I know we talked, when we talked a few weeks ago that um, there is, I think when it first launches, we were concerned there's enough inventory in the Canadian market to do it. But I think you're saying last time we talked that there is, there's, you just mentioned the auto dealership. So there's inventory in the Canadian market for, for uh, OTT and CTV for sure for uh, clients. Oh yeah. 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 And it's just getting, it's just getting larger. I mean, the one thing about, 
about OTTC TV is that um, it's the, well, people that are used to traditional television might say that it's the land of randomness, mm -hmm. right? Because the big, the big brands and big logos that you're used to seeing that, that provides your traditional video content, right, on linear or cable, um, they, not, they may not be the, the, the places where people go when they're on OTT CTV. It's the same thing with your mobile apps. There are a lot of mobile apps that are out there to be downloaded, right? I mean, there's a plethora of places. So that's why I mentioned, you know, things like Fubo TV, which if you're into sports, that's that's one of the platforms to go to get all your sports, your Formula One, your soccer, your tennis, your whatever it may be that you're interested in. Um, you know, you can go into Sling. You can go into, um, you know, Pluto TV. There's many things that are beyond like your ABC, CBS, your Canadian networks, anything like that. Right. So, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, can we talk a little bit about tracking? Because one thing that obviously... Uh, I always say is the good and the bad of digital marketing is, is the good thing is that it, it tracks everything and the bad thing is it tracks everything. So <laughs> I think when, you know, I come from a traditional media background as well, like you were talking about, bought a lot of radio, TV, newspaper, and it's hard to put tracking into that, right? So right. You, you, you kind of anecdotally expect that, yeah, it's working, you know, or there's ways to do it way more now than you could. Yeah. But with digital marketing, everything that happens there's a, there's a data point for it. So what are some of the things that you guys look for track when, when you're tracking campaigns and then what tools are out there for clients to use, uh, to track what's, you know, what's converting, what's not, you know, their, their cost per impressions. And all right. Those. Right. So as a company, we price everything for our clients based on a cost per thousand impressions ad impressions. And cause, because that's really how the exchanges sell the media. So that's the monetary element there. However, when we manage campaigns, we're managing to the KPI of the campaign, the success rate. What is going to make the client happy? What's success for them? And that could be in a lead. It can yeah. be in a, like a, a lead acquisition. It could be on a physical visit, physical acquisition. It could be on a, a visit to a website, which I look like a lander or because not everybody has the commerce thing. Or it could just simply be people still live off of click-through rates, right? How many people click? Well, all of those we we can we report on so far is that we identify what that key performance indicator is, and we and we report on that. In our case, we also all tar targeting elements that are involved in the campaign on every single keyword that we're leveraging, both those that are searched and those that are in context, which are what people are reading. We report on each and every one of those, right? So we keep those individuals individually, and that's a really key thing about Simplify is we we. We use this term called unstructured data, and that's really kind of what we're talking about. If, if you're doing geofencing and you're targeting based on that, we're going to report on every single geofence. If you're tracking physical traffic, like to a store, we're going to put a, what's called a phys, uh, geofence conversion zone up, and we'll be able to report on that. If you are actually doing an online action, like uh, leads or something like that, that's like commerce, that's going to be a pixel place there, and that's going to fire, and we'll be able to report on that as well. So it really depends on like what is the outcome with the client. And then when it comes to reporting, like you said, we have a plethora of elements that we can report on. And what we do is we actually work with each and every figure out what they want to see in their reports to provide that report, make sure that the report has value and in the format that they want, whether it be data rich Excel, maybe it's something that they ingest in their database, or maybe it's a, a really image rich PDF, whatever it may be, what provides value to them, we're going to work with them to do that. And do you see other, I mean, at Google Analytics is the, the one that most clients use. Is there other sort of tools that clients can use to monitor tracking themselves outside of what, you know, you're providing? So if they're doing other things themselves, is there other things that are the tools or software that they can use? Yeah, Google Analytics is a predominant one for a lot of small to medium business clients. Um, when you get to the larger clients, they're going to, they're going to have other, L, other reporting platforms that have heavier lifting, um, like from the likes of Microsoft or maybe it's Adobe or Oracle or whatever. Um, so, but the key thing with say Google analytics is just understanding how it plays with partners that are outside of Google. Um, Google is a little bit biased towards the, everything that starts with a G, um, you know, they've done a great job you need to figure out how to set up campaigns in the, in the right manner to actually be able to digest the information, make sure it correlates well with 
with Google stuff because it doesn't always um, line up. And right. you just need to know that. So we consult with a lot of clients. Okay, you're using Google Analytics. Uh, we have experience here. Here's here's a healthy way to set up your campaign. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we're down to about our last 10 minutes. I told you I was going to put you on the spot, so I'm going to do it. Um, I want to talk a about a little bit of just a around a couple of verticals and some ideas on how they can um, integrate some of the products that Simplify has and how they and maybe some best practices that you've seen. Uh, you mentioned wineries. So uh, we're in, yeah, I mean, in the Okanagan here, we're you know, in our Thompson Okanagan, lots of wineries or wine country. Obviously, they're, in a, they're, they're affected because yeah. tourism is down, obviously, but they've moved on to e-commerce so forth as well. If we talk about wineries, what, what are ways you're seeing some wineries use your guys' software platforms or in technology? Sure. The, the, the first thing is understanding your, your customer base, right? Those, those people that are into wine, um, there are those that just don't care about what wine they want and they just, they are going to just simply go and buy wine, right? Very much an e-commerce kind of situation. Yeah. Um, then there are those that are actually probably more into the wineries like myself and more into the wine. And so what they're going to do is they're going to actually go and read about wines. You're going to read about, uh, the different regions, uh, yeah. the different wineries. Behavioral targeting is actually really really key for for wineries because these people are do, are online and they're doing research, you know, right. and they're looking at it. They're, in other words, they're into the lifestyle of it, right? That's why they go to the wineries, and so that's that's a great way to to target based on that. Um, the the other key, the other way to target uh, for wineries is um, for the first party data. Most wineries that are out there have wine clubs, newsletters. And if they don't, they should, because that's the key thing for most wineries that are successful. But they should be they should be leveraging that data. So instead of doing it simply in just simply a newsletter basis, do it in, a, in an advertising basis, and you can leverage that data. Excellent. Next one: um, restaurants. So kind of stay in the same service industry. We talked a little bit about about it. Restaurants here have moved to on uh, sorry pickups and delivery, but. Uh, they're slowly starting to open again. There's in, in British Columbia, there's a, a restart plan in restaurants. They're still, you know, talking about how that's going to look and how many people are allowed. So I'm a restaurant. How can I use uh, Simplify's products to, to drive traffic to my either online or offline uh, for restaurants? Yeah. So restaurants, there's kind of an immediate nature for restaurants. For instance, Saturday in my household, since we're staying place, is kind of our takeout night. Yeah. And we start looking for what we want on Generally Friday, because we have to have con consensus and there's four of us and it's not always the easiest thing to come to. So we spend a little bit of time. So the, the online nature of, okay, what people are looking at is, is really key. That still plays in it. But, you know, with restaurants, they also have a certain radius of business. I'm not going to go beyond probably five miles around my house right now to go to a restaurant. Right. right? So know that there's a radius of business and, and that lends itself to geofencing. Right. So, or you can just do a, a simple radius. Uh, around your location and target target based on that as well. If you really want to just broaden yourself out, because there are some restaurants out there that may not be specific to a type of food. Maybe it's a place that has brunch or just your you know your general lunch fare. You know you could do a general radius and kind of hit those hit those people. Uh, but you also can day part it. You know based on different types of things. That's one thing that a lot of people don't think about when they're doing programmatic is that you still can day part it um, if you happen to have. A specific, if you're locked into a specific uh, offering time frame. So are you, I actually wanted to ask you a question about day partying and, um, you know, traditionally prime time is sort of like after dinner in traditional media. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, TV, I would say, sorry, not traditional media, TV. Are, are you, are, are, and I do have a couple of the verticals I want to talk about, but are you seeing shift in that? Like, because people are home or, or is there, is there such thing as day partying now? Or are people just consuming media all the time? Are you still seeing specific spikes at certain times of the day when people are actually consuming the media? Well, you, you tend to always see a spike in anything of browser activity during like work hours, even though people are you know, still at home because they're still on the computer, you know, they're working like we are right now. Right. Um, other than that, day parting, it hasn't really, I mean, it is a thing that we can do. It's, I won't say it's a big thing. It is a tactic. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what happens when you apply these tactics sometimes is that it, you do have to take into consideration the, the cost effect impact on it because now you, you're, you're limiting your delivery. And so whenever you put those constraints on it, you're affecting your supply and demand. So we just have to talk about, we just have to understand that and figure out like, okay, well, what, if that's where you naturally need to be locked into, what is it going to, 
What, what is that cost there? Instead of being allowing the data, the programmatic side to make those calls. Yeah, so there is the ability if a client wants to, we're saying is if you just want to advertise between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m., you can do it. Right. Right. So there's the ability to do that if, if, you, if you if it's it the same thing as saying it's the same thing as I only want to uh, advertise on the weekend. You know, um, you know, you just have to realize that doing that is there. There is it's not no longer just leveraging open programmatic decisioning and letting us find the right, right. user right. at the right time. Right. It, you're dictating it, so. It does impact a little bit. Okay. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is, is uh, I'm gonna professional services, so legal, um, uh, accounting, whatever it may be. That those those markets we've used geofencing actually in, in, in the legal side very effectively. But what have you? What else have you guys seen on um, on, on uh, it from a law firm point of view on how they can use some of these services now? Because right now a lot of the law firms are actually they're somewhat still operational. Um, they're seeing different types of services coming in, obviously, right. uh, but how, how are they using it? How can they use uh, the, the software? Well, you're, you're right about the geofencing part, that being a little light right now, but you know, the behavioral targeting based on the different types of law that they support is really mm -hmm. key in the aspect of law. So with key, the keyword pro approach, you can get very specific as far as um, their types of area of practice or situations that they may be incurring. Uh, we actually have a, uh, quite a few uh, law firms running right now. And sadly enough, they, they tend to be a lot of divorce attorneys. <laughs> it's really sad, but um, you know, you have, there, there are situations that they're running. So, you know, those key, those keywords based on, you know, what they services they can, they can uh, provide. And also the, uh, the, the situations that you may be dealing with. That's what that's tends to be the type. Yeah. Last um, one, uh, HVAC companies. So uh, companies that we'd be now moving into, it's beautiful here, it's sunny. You're starting to think about your air conditioning. Yeah. There's, there's some limitations, obviously, about you know people don't want people in their homes, but there's the companies are working around that as well. But have you seen best practices for companies that are in the HVAC? Uh, in, in more, I'm thinking uh, B2C business, because there's obviously yeah. HVAC companies that work with more large-scale airports and universities, but I'm talking about more to consumer right now. Right. I would say, uh, you know, the, there aren't too many people that are actually going out and doing door to door, like cold calling, like some of the people in, the, in those industries do. Right. But, you know, they, they still leverage the similar tactics of like direct mail or uh, some some fashion of that. They, they know their routes, they know their areas or they know the houses that have a certain age range and maybe they're more prone to needing that service. And so those actually would actually allow you to leverage a geofencing approach because you can still target them at the household. If you have a development of houses that you know is say 15 years old, you know, I think that the life of a HVAC system at the house is around 20, you know, you could start priming the pump, you know, and, and, and do your research and know those locations. You can mirror your direct mail too, um, by, by routes. Um, the thing about HVAC systems, if it is a lot of it is situational, if somebody already has it, you know, cause my it's hot, it broke. I need yeah. something, right? But so they have to, this is the benefit of, of display is that's priming, priming that pump. They know that that resource is out there, right? Um, so leveraging also all, all the keywords that may be situational, that's, that may incur a, a new HVAC system, you know, uh, house remodel, you know, things like that. That, that. Those actually work very well. Yeah, it's interesting actually though, the, the power of being able to, we'll just use using a geofencing product for household level, for renovators, for roofers, for because you know at a certain age you have to change your hot water tank, and like you said, you might yes. you, you, it's situational a little bit. My age, my my air conditioner broke, but when it breaks, you want to make sure they're thinking of your company, not your competitor, right? So, that's right. That's right. Well, the people can't forget in the HVAC situation is that you know you're going to be something breaks, but you also make a lot of money on servicing. Yeah. And so one thing that you you want to make sure to do is leverage that first party data of all database to market to them so that oh, if something then then you call them that's yeah. really key is first it if there's any type of data that's like ultimate goes to the data that you own as a company yeah that's that's we have last couple of minutes left we did have a question come in that I, and i'm not sure if you can speak to it but if not we can kind of maybe circle back online it was asked about the removal of uh, potential removal of cookies coming and how that'll affect targeting ability um, have you guys talked about that as a company on how, what that's going to do to uh, targeting ability? 
I mean, everybody's talked about that in this industry. Um, the reality is that Google has a time frame of two years from now, or I think it's less than two years from now at this point. That gives them a lot of time to how to make that work. There's a lot of players in this space that thrive off of off of cookies, um, and so. In other words, this would be a large voice of people saying, wait, hold on a second. How is this really going to work? What, what do you mean? Um, basically, what they're kind of – my take on it is they're alluding to getting to more of a, a sign-in kind of environment, which is very pro-Google, very pro-Facebook, that kind of thing. However, um, and, and as a company, with our location data, with our ability to target people um, – in many different ways, we're we're not solely dependent on cookies, and so we feel that we're actually positioned fairly well on this. So as a company, we are also GDPR compliant, which is great. Um, even though we're we're here in the U.S., but and you don't have to be GDPR compliant, which is the EU data privacy. We are actually compliant with that, and we feel like we're actually set very well for the California rules that they've actually uh, put in place, which are really it's kind of the the United first version of the United States version of um, GDPR. So we seem to feel that we are actually situated well for this. Um, we have people that are hired that are uh, experts in the industry having this. I have all I have all confidence that uh, we will be set well for this. Excellent. Well, thank you, Paul. We're at the top of the hour. So the hour flew by and I still have a page and a half of questions for you, but we might have to do it another time. So thank you All so right. much for taking the, the, the hour with us this morning and, and sharing lots of insight. Like I said, if there's questions we haven't got, we haven't gotten to, and if you're happy to circle back offline and get those uh, answered for you, the recording will be available on Facebook as well. Um, so thank you again, Paul, really appreciate all your insight and love to do it again. Cause like I said, there's lots of questions we didn't get to yet. So really appreciate your time. Thank you uh, for having me and, and hope everybody stays safe and healthy. For sure. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Have a great rest of your day and thank you for tuning in to, uh, business matters. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.